0: the mini break your daily podcast for the biggest storylines results and controversies from the tennis world today is tuesday june 18th note for me since i'm not going to be on the podcast i'll get this out of the way early happy birthday dad his birthday wednesday june 19th that's obviously wednesday jamie and sekoiak time so a little plug for myself there obviously with all of the goings on in the tennis world grass season in full effect on the challenger level you're getting an opportunity to see guys who will be playing you know first round at wimbledon because there's so few grass events they're willing to sign up for challengers just to get a few dry runs in so really just fantastic tennis from top to bottom right now on the professional world joining me to talk about all of those things is my doubles partner partner in crime and the man who is back from nyc maxwell Bauer rothman welcome back to the mini break podcast
1: Thanks man. Your uh your intro there that first that first couple words I thought there was a little voice crack action. You got real real high pitch. It was nice. It you're, was you're a excited. Big welcome to the <laughs> <Sunday laughs> break. <laughs> um, yeah, but,
0: don't let my beard fool you. The uh the voice is still
1: going through puberty. Yeah, this is why we need to to be doing video for these cuz it would it would be <laughs> awesome for people to see the facial hair going on right now. But uh yeah, I am I am glad to be back from New York. Uh it is a little unfortunate with the time difference. I hate keeping you up. Um so I, I do want to get into the tennis, but like you said, the the tennis that we've got in store for us before Wimbledon is just fantastic. I think we have joked about a few of the the 250s, you know, earlier this year being pretty weak as far as the tennis, like almost challenger level. Uh and these 500s are, you know, masters level. Uh you know, the the competition in these is fantastic as people want to get
0: ready for Wimbledon so a lot of good tennis to to see in the next couple weeks I talked about scheduling, or I should say, and I'm saying this affectionately, I listened to Matt Zemek of Tennis with an Axe, and he came on the mini-break, talked about all of the scheduling problems that seem to be structurally an issue with the ATP WTA, and you know, it is Twitter Tuesday, one of the conversations, should there, in, st- in lieu of these ATP 500s, maybe after Wimbledon, you play a Masters event on the grass, you kind of push back that schedule, respectfully, it's not that I don't care about your opinion, Maxie, I just don't have the bandwidth right now to talk about a scheduling issue but I will come uh, the reason I bring it up is because I want to echo your point with the opportunities to play on grass before Wimbledon so few and far between now that it's an ATP 500 we are seeing you know Roger Federer obviously back in hollow this year he made the final there last year but in that event Zverev, sure, it's obviously in London we've seen players such as uh, Marin Cilic Kevin Anderson FAA Del Potro. To or you know, from top to bottom, all these guys getting their reps in.
1: Yeah, okay. I know you don't want to talk about it, but just if I'm going to push back on one thing, the Masters should be before Wimbledon. It preps oh,
0: that's I. The thing is, I don't know if there's room to put a Masters event given how long there. That's why the concern is I don't think you can move back Wimbledon so it would have to be after. Again, this is why I didn't want to get into it because it's like really, really stupid why they wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. But it's just like because I, I completely agree with you. Like it's obvious, right? Yeah, Maybe get, just get push of, it back two weeks.
1: Even even different. Get rid of Hall and London and combine them. Make a sixty-four draw Masters tournament.
0: So that's an interesting. The, the the counterpoint obviously is you can't eat into the U.S. summer hardcore season because there's so many events that go along with that. Also, if you push back Wimbledon and that you know sort of forces everything else back the U.S. Open always Labor Day weekend. That's not something I'm sure they will ever want to give up. So there's a lot of logistic issues, but, uh, yeah, that's why, it, th- again, this is why it's a freaking <laughs> stupid issue.
1: All right, yeah, we, we can we can move forward from it. I won't, yeah, I won't but, keep
0: going. Well, I guess the, the reason I kind of wanted to echo your point of why we're seeing, uh, you know, so many good players right now. I mean, I guess – now, I guess we'd have to address it. What What do you think structurally... You know, we saw some of these guys play last week. Sittipas losing first round. Zverev losing first round. I think Kachnov lost first round last mm-hmm. week. Kyrgios lost first round last week. Monty's. How much as a... Monfils lost first round last week and this week, and we'll talk about that in a second. But right. how much, I guess, from a fan's perspective, if you're trying to preview Wimbledon, or I guess you fancy yourself now a tennis gambler, for, so from a gambling <laughs> perspective, given how few events there are in the buildup, given how different three out of five is from two out of three set matches, how much do you take away from early round struggles from any of these players you see on grass?
1: Yeah, not, like, not, not much at all. Um, I, I mean, I think... <sighs> Depends. For the clay quarters like Monfis, you know, I, I think it is it is a concern. I, I don't expect a lot from him necessarily on the grass. Uh, and for the guys who are just, you know, kind of classified as clay quarters, it's a hard transition to to go from the clay uh, to the grass. And I think seeing those early struggles is probably indicative of their inability to, you know, transfer to that surface uh, efficiently. However, you look at a guy like Berrettini, who obviously has had success on the grass coming Uh, from the clay so and and as a you know clay quarter that that is positive um yeah I I don't know I think it's going to take I think that there's a reason these guys play the tournaments is to get their reps in and and you know let let the the crap happen early on um but at the same time you want to get some confidence under your belt and so not good for for a lot of those guys to get the the first round losses you know I, I think for some of them too um, in my opinion, this is so soon after the clay court season, and the clay court season's a grind, and I, I bet a lot of them are thinking, you know what, fine, I'll lose my first round match, I'll get my reps in just in this in this match and kind of get a feel for how I'm going to be on the grass, and, and I'm going to rest. Um,
0: you know, is mean- not even playing because he just wants to rest, so... Man. Neither is Dominic team. he pulled out of this week's yep. event. And this is a point I brought up last week on a mini-break with Jamie. We saw Zverev, pass uh, those guys I mentioned who made deep runs at the French Open, lose first round. The wear and tear you're going to take after a, you know, a grand slam if you make it to that second week. It's really hard to rebound, come onto the grass, which, again, completely different game. You saw last week for Alex Zverev against Dustin Brown. His returns are floating into the center of the court. Uh, obviously, when Dustin Brown's serving volleying on the ground, when you're giving him an opportunity to hit a clean first volley you're going to be in a ton of trouble and I think that's actually a perfect way to transition into our conversation about these tournaments. Uh, let's start with Alexander Zverev in Hala. As I mentioned he this week I believe the number two seed and I, I did a little research into the build up of this last year his grass court season makes the third round of Wimbledon. Loses a funky five set match if you remember to Ernest golbus six in the fifth. He also lost first round to eventual champion Borna in Hala. So again, that speaks to the fact he plays one grass match, lost first round, still made the third round, had a chance to put himself in the second week. But he comes out this week in Hala, draws Robin Haas, a very tricky player to play on grass because this is a guy willing to change direction, you know, keep you off balance and having to bend a ton, move forward, not be in an uncomfortable position on the baseline with his backhand slice, and then he'll open up in inside-out, inside-in, forehands for himself. He's willing to move forward. And in this match, the thing I enjoyed most, it's a match Alex Zverev ends up winning 6-4, 7-5. Yes, he won a comfortable first set, but twice in this match, he goes down a break, 3-2. He breaks right back, gets broken immediately the next game, 4-3. Then it ends up being 5-3, of 5-4. Then Zverev comes back and Look, this is kind of an interesting place to start, but as you listeners are well aware, as you are well aware, Maxwell Abauer, I played a little tennis back in the day, and sometimes, you know, there were matches, and again, I wasn't very good, so this is a totally different level, but. There are just times when you, you're you on the corner, you're playing a match, and you know you're better than your opponent. You know, okay, it's time for me to turn it on. I don't want to stay out here any longer than I need to. I know if I play disciplined, aggressive, first strike tennis, I am going to win this match, and I saw Alex Zverev hit that gear in this one, and we've talked about this before, but there are just sometimes when he makes contact with the ball, when you see it and you're just like, the, the length, the, the power he can generate, it's unlike anything I've seen from anyone else on tour
1: yeah i mean you're you're 100 right he he has the capability there's a reason he's you know been top three in the world and is currently where he is like there there's no doubt about it the guy rips the the ball um i do think that this is gonna be his worst grand slam of the year i think he might lose in a second or third round um the grass i i don't think does him any favors especially with you know, being a bigger guy and, you know, he's not one to, to go to the slice, you know, very often, likes to to go for his backhands. And uh, I just don't see this, you know, like you said, he's had some struggles with the grass in the, in the past. Yeah, that's a nice little, nice little rhyme. Uh, the grass also is, you know, one of his worst surfaces as far as win percentage, o- only 64.7% win percentage on grass for him uh, in his career. So, you know, not, not his best, uh, surface at the same time like he you like you said he showed to against hassa he can pull it out if he needs to I'm just worried that against a guy like next round Stevie Johnson who I think is is built for grass the low slices good at the net big serve I think that could be a match where he loses.
0: I don't agree with you at all, which is sometimes when we have the most fun on this podcast. Uh-huh. You look at his Wimbledon results the past 3 years, third round, fourth round, third round. That 2017 he really should have beaten Milos Raonic was up 2 sets to 1 again, much like that glorious match had a chance to reach the quarterfinal. Yeah, look, there's not a big sample size in terms of how many grass matches you play and we got to keep in mind this kid is still 21, turning 22 years old this year. We have, you know, he still has so much time to accumulate experience on the grass, and just, you get some glimpses in this match, Alex Vyrov is not a good volleyer, but you can clearly see he's attempting to move forward more, force himself, even sometimes when he's in uncomfortable positions, and yet, there are just times you see the length the, the, the fact you know I feel like length is never more important than on the grass and the fact that he has that wingspan he can reach out for slices he can move forward cut off balls you know he, he doesn't always hit the cleanest first volley but that he's making that first volley now a significant upgrade to what we saw even a year ago I just think 3 out of 5 his weapons his firepower he can misfoot anyone on the grass and when he's hitting through his forehand there's no reason given the openness it feels like of the ATP 2 Right now it feels like you can make a case Again for 50 guys to make the round Of 16 this year at Wimbledon I mean, he is right up there, You know, certainly in my top 10 in terms of uh, contenders to do that. The one thing I would echo in terms of what you said in this stat comes from uh, Matthew Willis at Matt Rackett. He's hit 71 double faults in his last seven matches. You look at his stats from this one, he hit uh, 12 aces, but again, another seven double faults here. That's the concern to me is it's clear still, you know, the moving forward, sometimes he shouldn't do it and he's clearly forcing himself to do that but long term that's a net plus but there are definite second serve issues that worry me.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, in the in that match with Hasse, he he wins only 45% of his second serves you know, seven of those 31 points were double faults, and and that's just, you know, unacceptable. Uh, and we've talked about that trend in well, the Well, he past also too.
0: faces 11 break points, and yeah, he saves nine of them, but, you know, the majority of time, if you're facing 11 break points, you're not going to win that match, especially on grass.
1: Definitely. Um, and the only the only point that I want to push back on you as far as, you know, his potential on grass, I think in three out of five sets, that's where it worries me with Zverev. I think... People are able to, on grass, find ways to cut cut points short, not let Zverev you know, get that first ball and, and be aggressive. Uh, and I think that's where it could be a little bit dangerous for Zverev. I like him on the clay getting a chance to develop a point and, and get his ball. On the grass where he can keep the ball low, cut into the net, I think that's where he potentially loses his rhythm. Um, the, the other thing I will say, though, where I do agree with you, if he wants if he's on and can figure it out and and be aggressive on returns it's tough when he's hitting that big when he gets the first step if you're not able to change direction and, and slow things down you're you're in a tough position.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I would also say uh one thing that you know even beyond the serve you saw today he fell on the grass obviously him <laughs> being a big guy uh he likes to play baseline tennis that's very true um and on the grass obviously you're not able to do that but just the backhand firepower when he pops one down the line there's just a few things like it. It's gorgeous. And yeah, the, the, the book is out slice to the forehand, keep it low, make him bend. Alex Verov sometimes will hit wristy shots up the middle and on grass. If you're putting the ball in the middle, that's not going to fly. But I'm very excited for his prospects. I think that's why I'm so excited about him all of the time is because just on any surface, he has the ability to just win a match off of his sheer natural talent. But speaking of a guy naturally talented, speaking of someone you always enjoy to watch regardless of how he ends up in the result, uh, Pierre-Hughes Herbert, Gael Monfils, a thrilling 7-6, 6-4 match. Herbert ends up knocking off the number five seed, Monfils, who again loses another first round match on grass. I want to focus on Air Bear for a second, though, because we've talked, you know, uh, people are well aware this is a former number one doubles player in the world. He's won multiple doubles grand slams. He has a well-rounded game, but we've talked about this on grass, the importance of the serve, the return, and if you make your first volley every time you're coming in, particularly for him who comes in as much as he does, I mean, that's a rock solid game. Tell me why he's not one of the 50 guys on tour who can make the second week of Wimbledon.
1: No, he, he totally is. I, I love his style of play for the grass. I think, you know, if he can be smart about his returns, and like you said, keep slices low, be in the net, be aggressive, he's dangerous. You you got to be good on your passing shots, making sure that you're keeping him deep so that he's not able to get into the net. Uh, and like you said, he he's someone that easily could bring, up, bring out an upset. I don't think I would even consider, you know, a Monfis win here an upset by any means Um yeah, it's, it's it's a good win, and I think that's an the, air bear win. An air bear win, yeah, and, and yeah, I think I, that's the the kind of win that you might expect from him uh, in Wimbledon as well.
0: Monfis, a guy who on clay can get away with slicing as many balls as he does because you can buy yourself so much extra time on the dirt. Today, he just came up against an opponent who, anytime Monfils sliced, Air Bear win or lose, you know, he's coming in behind that ball. And yes, Monfils can do amazing things on the run. And he hit one of those, you know, behind the back shots in this match. He hit a couple beautiful drop shots, drop volleys, the things Gaillard Monfils always does. But because he hit so many slices, Air Bear who, again, his returns rock solid, he's taking them early, taking time away from Monfils. He was the aggressor, and just in a grass match, doesn't matter, 2 out of 3, 3 out of 5, you cannot play defense the entire time because the surface just doesn't allow you to come back.
1: 100%. And that, like I said, that was my concern with Monfils for Wimbledon. I, I do think that we might see an early exit. However, I also think this is the kind of guy where, you know, he's maybe thinking... I'm going to go get my first round reps, kind of get the feel for it, and I'm tired from the clay season. He had a really well, that good was, clay that, season.
0: That was the thing. In this match, he went down an early break 2-0 to Air Bear. Then Air Bear serving for the set 5-4, had a couple set points. Monfie started taking returns early, started returning and volleying himself, or at least looking to move forward. And it's just like he's capable of it. There's no reason a guy with his skill, with his craft around the net, you know, if he's locked in, can't... Uh, be the aggressor regardless of the surface and yeah you know in the breaker air bear was up six three then Monfils ended up making it six all then he played us. I think he slapped a forehand into the net air bear takes advantage or no, no no sorry he hits a slice air bear hits a beautiful inside out forehand right there that's your set um but yeah, I, I wouldn't write out again. This is the theme of today. Don't write out Gaël Monfils at Wimbledon simply because he's had you know two bad warm up matches in the in the build up to it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right there
0: with you. Yeah. All right, well then, with that, let's transition to our next match. Last breakdown from here, uh, one we can talk about just quickly. Karen Kachanov, the number three seed, ends up taking out Miomir Kecmanovic, former World Junior number one uh, Indian Wells quarterfinalist. 7-6-6-4 for Kachanov. The things I want to focus on from this, obviously, this is a guy who makes – fourth rounds at majors consistently now, it seems. I, I feel like stressing this, because of how physically gifted he is, the three-out-of-five set format just seems to benefit him so much, and that he's able to get a win here, get his reps on grass. I think his serve, his firepower, that he's comfortable going down the line, changing directions, it translates very well on the grass. Um, but the real superstar of this match, Miomir Kasimenevich, who I will talk about in a moment, but Max, your thoughts on Kichnov?
1: Well, look, I was just looking at the the stats from from this match. He makes 70% of his first serves and wins 85% of those first serves. I mean, what are you going to do when when Kiechnov is serving like that?
0: Well, this is a reminder that on the grass, a big serve will win you a match. And it's like I talked about length being important. Well, when you're 6'6", you're hitting down on the serve. And like that's again, it's just that quality accentuated so much on the surface. 100% 100% and and look I didn't get to
1: see uh this match unfortunately but just looking at the the statistics you can kind of see where this match went and and it's, it all is with the serve and I like the way that that Kachanov has progressed throughout the season in the beginning I I railed on him I I didn't think he looked good he had some bad losses here and there um towards the end of the clay started to pick up his his game and I think that Wimbledon is and, and the grass season is a good chance for him to to be successful with with his style of play.
0: Agree, and then my last thing, just on Kostmenovic, real quick. This guy's gifted. I mean, he could move on the grass comfortably. You never want to say someone's Djokovic esque, especially just because they're from the same nation. That's such a lazy comparison. Uh, but just the way this guy moves, changes direction, really goes after his ground strokes. I mean, he was swinging with Kachanov, you know, ground stroke for ground stroke. And to do that with a guy that, you know, with that much firepower, it speaks to the talent he has. All of this is draw dependent, and I don't think he's a guy who could make it to the round of 16. But, you know, one, two wins at Wimbledon would not shock me for Mjomir.
1: Yeah, not at all. I think he's someone that, uh, if you're looking at the betting lines, keep an eye out for him
0: yeah uh maybe not in terms of long term but yeah just match by match yeah yes yeah c- yes completely agree with you well then with that being said let's look at some of the other results from this tournament real quick uh radu el bot knocks out matthew ebden five seven six one six four our guy steve stevie johnson takes out philip kohlschreiber six three six three sosa a winner over her catch seven six six one um I mean, just real quick, disappointing her catch loss. Uh, but just on the Stevie Johnson thing, I mean, this guy has dropped out of the top 75. And I think with this win now, he gets back up to around 63. Just any win he can scrap out at this point, so important for him.
1: Is it crazy that at plus 225, I want to take Stevie against Varev?
0: Yes. <laughs> that, I'm not touching that. That's all you. <laughs>
1: I was waiting for that reaction. I wanted a stronger reaction, but it's twelve. It's
0: 1230, so I knew I wasn't going to get one. Yeah, no, not a chance on that. But speaking of uh, you know, it being late, obviously tomorrow, a, a wonderful slate in Hala, a ton of great matches to look at. Rothman, uh, the one I want to start with, obviously Federer in play, but the one that I just think is so scintillating. I believe this is a rematch from a, one of the Claymasters, I, I think, or maybe it was Monte Carlo, number four seed Borna church versus Jaume Munar. I mean it's going to be interesting you know baseline wise Munar it'll, it'll be great to see how his game translates to the grass but more importantly for of George he's defending title points here I mean this is every match there's that much more pressure and it helps that he made the semifinal last week but it's game on.
1: Yeah, I mean, so they, they did play uh, in Monte Carlo. Borna won that match 6-7, 7-6, 6-4, so very tight. Um, but, I, you know, look, I, I think this is definitely Borna's surface. Uh, I think you I mean, you even texted me a couple days ago saying Borna's, what, plus 6,000 uh, to win Wimbledon. Like, you you have high hopes for him. And I, and I don't disagree. He's got a great game style for the grass. Munar, of course, has had a great season, but it is on the clay. Um, I think this is going to be a straight set
0: win for for Chorich, and I, I'm, I'm confident in this game. I love Borna Chorich, but he might be the worst like confident volleyer I've ever seen. Like He is so confident, before he's like, I hit the big forehand, I have to move in now because that's the play. And again, building long-term habits, all in on. But if Pierre, you know, Hughes-Herbert, I'm confident he's going to make the half volley or the first volley every time. Bornachorich Alex Zverev, Taylor Fritz—all of them. I'm like, what are you guys doing? up? Like, oh no! Like, this is an experiment.
1: <laughs> it's, it's kind of like it's the birthday gift. It's you're rolling the eight ball. You're like, maybe, <laughs> hey, yes, <Yeah>. no, yes. <laughs> Try it again tomorrow. <laughs> well, no,
0: but but there are times again as a tennis player, you hit that huge inside-out forehand. You're like, oh, I'm following this bad boy in, and then they dish it at your feet, and you're like, F-ck. like now what? And I just feel like that's the Chorich, that's the Zverev. Sometimes they go up there I think Chorich literally... less than a Zverev or a Fritz. No, I think, again, Oh, Fritz is the worst case scenario, and <laughs> I'm saying that lovingly. In terms of just his volleying, he does a lot of other things spectacularly well. But, no, just for Zverev and Chorich, again, the, the confidence, the hubris they have wandering up there, I'm all about it. And I think long-term, both of them have the talent to be, at the very least, competent volleyers. Uh, but... It's an experiment. It keeps you on your toes. And I just think, again, born a Church, when that volleying clicks because of, uh, I, again, I just think changing direction, having that uh, ability on grass, you know, willing down the line uh, when someone – or being willing to hit behind someone, just all of these skills, so important because of how difficult it is to move. And born a Church has that skill. I agree. And, and look – Charge looked
1: really good last week against Fritz and against Christian Guerin. Uh you know, tough loss to, to Man Arena who's playing some good tennis, but
0: uh, Ugh. No, Church should not have lost that. I mean Manoreno was moving the ball. Church was hitting so many balls in the center of the court. It was so many you cannot hit in the center and like manorino's got that beautiful even though he's french it looks like he grew up on like a country club with only grass courts type of game he's like cross courts cross courts down the line and it's just like that's just his patterns just so the way he hits through a court so nice on grass all of this is a long tangent of saying yeah 60 to 1 10 bucks i've spent 10 dollars way stupider than betting on born george my only <sighs> 60-1.
1: I know, but he, he loses first round last year to Medvedev, and you're not okay, going from Okay, but Daniil Medvedev, counterpoint,
0: counterpoint, counter, counter counterpoint. What is Daniil Medvedev ranked at this point? Ranked now? He's, what, 11-12? Yeah. Like, that's not a bad loss. That's not a bad loss
1: at all. No, uh, that's, that's not my point. I'm just saying uh, he's not going from a first round loss to a winning Why not? champ. Why not? You, you need to, especially there, uh, the— th- th- You need to have, excuse me, had experience in the later Uh rounds.
0: What, he's going to see the queen in the crowd and be like, oh, I cannot play. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, Okay, I see what you're saying, but given that he has made quarterfinals of Grand Slams before, did he make the quarterfinals of the Australian Open this year? I feel like he's he's yeah. ready for that stage. He understands what it takes. And so, yeah, winning is its own monster. And he made the round of sixteen know. at Australia, lost a pool. Pretty- yeah. Yeah, what a match! Oh, I remember that. Uh, I don't want to get into that right now. Um, yeah, I, I'm all in on Borna Church, but some of the other matches tomorrow: Songa Pair, I know you'll be watching that one. Oh, Strufger, yeah. Gojewicz, Gaske, Mulliker, Stakovsky, Bashlous, Vili, That's gonna be some big hitting. Peya Gofen, Seppi, meringue But then probably the one you and I will be watching most closely. We mentioned this player, and it's an interesting matchup for him: Taylor Fritz versus number 17 Roberto Bautista. Another uh, shameless plug, we talked about this, Jamie and I, about which American uh, is the favorite to do, American male is the, be- the favorite to do the best in the men's singles draw. He said Taylor Fritz, I said Riley Opelka, uh, you know, we said don't don't read too much into these results, but it's, you know, in a first round matchup with RBA, uh, given that Taylor plays strike first tennis, I think this is a great chance for him to get a win here, a big win. Uh, I'm right there with you. He looked good against George last week, and...
1: He's plus 145 against RBA. I literally texted my friend before the podcast to take that bet. Who always consults me on on the tennis bets before he makes them. It, I think it's a good bet. I, I like Fritz's chances against RBA. I, I didn't they play earlier this year. I'm pretty sure that they did. Um, but yeah, le, like you said, for, if he can you know be on it, do that first strike tennis. I I, I I'm definitely positive on Fritz here.
0: They played twice this year. Fritz six seven six three six four winner uh, in Lyon quarterfinal. Bautista Gute six two six three six two winner at the French Open. So yeah, these two guys know each other's games well. I think grass is probably the best surface for Fritz in this matchup. Although RBA does hit a flat ball, he will penetrate the court. He will go down the line. But I just think the Fritz serve, the Fritz return, he's going to get a lot of chances in this match. Grass again, a great surface for him. Uh, so I really look forward to that match as well. But all right, with that being said, let's switch gears. Let's now look in London. Uh, do you watch the show? They, they don't sponsor us, but do you watch The Last Kingdom on Netflix? I do not. Oh, great show. It's it, it has to do with you know the formation of England, and they talk Wessex, but they pronounce it London, and it's just Wells do, do you watch Peaky Blinders? Oh, do I watch the Peaky? <laughs> uh, I don't want to get into it. Yeah, uh, let's not do that now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly um, but as I mentioned let's look in London and the match I want to start with uh, number I believe one seed in this event nope that is a lie number one seed in this event is Stefanos. Stefanos that might be it's own conversation itself but the number five seed in this event Marin Cilic a guy who has really had a topsy-turvy 2019 a six one seven six winner over Christian Guerin a guy now with his ranking getting to play the first real ATP grass season of his career and you could just see in this match we talk about length we talk about wingspan we talk about the ability to change directions and make that a weapon when he's playing his best tennis that's a description of Marin Cilic and I think that's why we've seen him What he made the Wimbledon final what was the tearjerker that was one of our first pods right so that was 2017 was. yeah 2017. Uh, yeah I mean regardless of that Marin Cilic is a, 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 when he plays his A game good luck beating him on grass so, so Cilic you
1: know Looking at his success on different services, most success on the grass, you know, granted there are less grass tournaments, but 71% win percentage on the grass, his next highest hardcourt 65.8. So yes, he, he definitely is a big fan of the grass. And like you said, his game really is built for it. Yeah, you know, Last year, or excuse me, uh, yeah, last year, Wimbledon, or 2017 was the Wimbledon where he lost to Federer in that final Um yeah, you know, I think he's definitely going to be be itching to to get back there this year, but he has had a rough season so far. I mean, loses second round of of French to Dimitrov and to to a Dimitrov that hasn't been great this season. You know, before that, plays Italy, loses second round to uh you know, gets to the quarters of Madrid, but overall he's been kind of shaky. So uh, I think he's going to try and find his groove here on the grass before Wimbledon, and uh, if he can keep playing like he did against Garin, that uh, it's it's. Po-
0: yeah, positive signs for him. Yeah, and for him now he'll match up with Diego Schwartzman in round two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really make a match that physical, I suppose, on a grass court. But if that one's going to push you physically to, to those outer thirds, force you to hit them off the court. It's Diego Schwartzman and for Cilic, uh just some positives from this match that he made 66% of his first serves, uh, won 78% of those points, 53% of his second serves, uh, created nine break point opportunities for himself, You know, held uh, Garen to 6 of 19 on second serve points. It's starting to click again. He, uh, this is a guy. Uh, the word veteran gets thrown around too much, as though that should mean something. All of these guys are veterans; they've been playing tennis their entire life. But as you just mentioned, going through his grass record. This guy knows how to win matches on this surface. His game perfectly tailored, not perfectly tailored, but always, uh, he's always a threat. And so just every win he can get under his belt. This guy, I feel like sometimes, you know, we say these results uh, before Wimbledon aren't important. I feel like this run up for him, if he can get one, two, three wins before Wimbledon, that is hugely important for him.
1: Absolutely. Look, I don't want to say he's a dark horse for Wimbledon, but... He could be. I think considering where he's been and where his level has been, I think people might
0: underestimate uh, Cilic. Draws aside, uh, obviously we can't control that, but given what we've seen from them in 2019, bigger threat at Wimbledon, Marin Chilich or Milos Raonic? Oof. You have to say Cilic, I mean, right, because of the health concerns?
1: Well, yeah, I was going to say, are we, are we talking about the health concerns? I mean, the problem is Milos with the serve, man. I mean, not, not that Chilich has a bad serve, but Milos' serve on the grass is just so dangerous.
0: I would say, sorry to cut you off because that's a great point. Chilich's is very good. Milos' is elite, and he's an elite serve and volleyer.
1: Right. It's the it's the volleys too that on the grass is just. I don't know, man. That that's tough. Um, I think given the health concerns, I'm gonna give it to to Chilich here. But the Ranich is, you know, on the grass too, has, has a really good win percentage. One of his better services, uh, basically 70% on the grass and, you know, has had good success last year, loses in the quarterfinal to, to Isner in a tough match. Uh, so I, it's tough. I don't know. We'll, we'll see with, can with you look at up-
0: South. Can you look up the Bovada lines while I uh, segue this next match? Because another guy who certainly, if healthy, you have to consider him a threat. Another guy you talk about, big serve, big wingspan, willing to move forward. Finalist at this event last year, Kevin Anderson, who in his first match from back from injury gets a 4-6, 7-6, 6-4 injury. Now, we'll talk about the Nori part of the equation in a little bit because that was obviously impressive, but for Kevin Anderson in his first match back... You could tell, still kind of feeling out his movement, feeling out, you know, is this my time to move? Is this the ball I want? Obviously, match play, totally different than a practice environment, but for him, 19 aces against two double faults, he wins 93% of his first serve points, save three, saves three of the only four break points he faced, and created 10 break points for himself. If healthy, again, why not? So sorry, I, I was looking up the, the Ranich line. Ranich is plus fourteen hundred. Okay, to, what's
1: Chilich? Chilich is plus sixteen hundred.
0: So Vegas says Rayonich over Chilich, despite the betting odds. I mean it's, do you think we could find like a uh some third world bookie or whatever that would take who goes further in Wimbledon, Chilich or uh Rayonich and what are the odds for that? Because that would be a fun bet. Actually, you just, can bet the you can bet the rounds people would loo- you think they're going to lose in, but I don't I mean, know if you can bet comparatively.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Well, oh, that'd we, be cool. Maybe this is the start of us creating our own book, but yeah. <laughs> not actually cuz that's that's illegal, <laughs> kidding everybody. <laughs> yeah, um I'm not confident in Anderson. I mean, he's had, you know, not the the strongest year either and um I mean, sure, the the guy has the length and you know, ha- I do like Anderson's Slice actually, but he hasn't had you know the greatest season. He hasn't played you know many tournaments even. Um, has really only just gotten back from from Miami. So I think after that much of a break, it's going to be tough for him. Yes, he he didn't look terrible against uh, Nori. I don't think he looked great. Um, I think I actually think Nori played a pretty a pretty solid match. Uh, and, it, and still it, wasn't able to pull it out. But
0: If I, I was to describe this match at one point for Kevin Anderson, it would be the point where he whiffed the overhead, uh, got the ball back in play, and then hit an on-the-run backhand pass. And the reason that, that kind of leads to the flip side of this for, Kevin Anderson, or for Cam Norrie, I think Cam Norrie's got all of the shots. I think he's got a beautiful game for Wimbledon in that he's going to work you to the outer thirds. He's going to take balls early. He's going to drive it and move in. But I am a bit concerned, you know, I think the ball coming off his racket makes a good sound, but I have to say visually, I just think it's hard for him to hit through the court, and I think on the grass, the fact, you know, his little backhand, that his little backhand, first of all, Cam Nori has a f***ing outstanding backhand, millions million times better than mine will ever be, so I didn't mean to demean it by saying little backhand, but his abridged backhand swing is what I'm trying to say, his abbreviated uh, short backswing swing that he can just kind of muscle that ball barely over the net, very you know, in the service box, and it kind of just dies on the court. That's like a funky skill that I kind of appreciate, and I think I think he could have some success on the surface.
1: Do you think he could have some success on the surface? Sorry,
0: <laughs> <laughs> go, well, I'm No, um, it just again, all of it depends on the draw. That's why yeah. it's like so hard to say, oh, this guy's going to make the fourth round of Wimbledon because it's like, well, if he draws Djokovic first, I'm sorry, but he's not.
1: Right, and look, you get your voice gets high when you get when you get excited, and <laughs> and I agree. I think Nori's game is interesting. His serve and volley technique is going to be effective on the grass. And moving back to Anderson, I worry about him considering he's had such a gap from his last tournament, and he's going to have all the pressure on him defending his points from last year. I mean. He was lucky honestly to even make the final with his ridiculous match against Federer in the quarters his you know 26-24 fifth set semifinal with Isner I mean he's got a lot of pressure to to defend those points and yeah, that's a lot of a lot of stress to to go into this tournament I'm I'm not feeling great about Anderson here
0: That's a very good point well speaking of points to defend uh the next match I want to talk about and this will be our last breakdown but uh francis Tiafo who look you look at his grass season last year he made the quarterfinal in london then ends up making the third round in wimbledon here he ends up losing first round to Nicolas mahout uh obviously mahout comes in with a bit of although so he lost first round of qualifying last week but he did make the third round of the french open and in his match with tiafo he's a 6-3-7-6 winner did many things similar to uh, Pierre-Hughes-Herbert in the Monfils match. Very similar dynamic. tiafo obviously, the more dynamic player from the baseline. But Mahout just taking returns early, uh, You know, taking the net away from tiafo which is, if you can do that, uh, that's one of the things Francis loves to do, is you know, slice and sneak forward. I mean, he did all the things he wanted. And for me, I guess the most disappointing part, and I didn't get to see much of this match, but it's just that Fran- there was no plan B today for Francis. The defense. Defense wasn't there there was a lot of slapping and that I guess just concerns me
1: 100% and, and that's not a good you know first round loss for Tiafa going into Wimbledon not, not what you want to see from him and that's always been you know the thing that we mentioned right is that it doesn't always seem like he has a plan B and with his slice I, I really think that he could be Really effective on the grass. I, I think he needs to trust his volleys more. Come, be willing to be aggressive and come into the net, especially you know on, on the grass. Last year, you know, m- loses in the second round to Zverev. Oh, excuse me, loses in the third round to to Kechenov. Um So not a, not a bad Wimbledon result. I was looking at his 2017 results where he loses to Zverev in the second round. So uh, we'll we'll see. I, I would I would hope to to get a little more confidence out of him but i think he needs to be aggressive if he wants to be successful
0: yeah of course and for him sometimes it's just finding that proper balance between uh, not being reckless, but still maintaining that aggression and not just resorting to forehand slices and all those things. And I think the forehand slice return, which he hits so often, because of his backswing, you know, that much more difficult on grass when you're floating a ball in the center and now you're on your back foot for the entire point. So I agree, definitely something to monitor as he continues throughout this grass season. But just looking real quickly at the other results in London today, Jill Simone, a three six six three seven six winner over James Ward, Danielle. Medvedev, the 4-seed here, a 2-4 and four winner over Verdasco. Love the way his flat ground strokes, his ability to change direction, and again, another 6-6 six, six guy. Really got a theme here today, a Rothman, uh, but just big serve, opens up angles for himself with that serve, and when you've got it, you know, he hits the huge slice-out wide on the deuce and then a second backhand cross-court when you're covering all of that on the grass. All he's got to do is really poke the volley in, and that's a lot of what he did against Verdasco. Um, and then our last match, as I mentioned, Diego Schwartzman six two six three winner over Sasha Bublik, and that sets the stage for tomorrow's play. You know, we talked, so about, how Hala, yeah, we talked oh. about how good Hollow. Yeah, we talked about how good Hollow was. This I mean, is better. yeah. Tune in to London tomorrow because it is outrageous. Uh, Stan Wawrinka, Dan Evans, uh, J. Clark, Luca Pui, <laughs> Uksovics, Feliciano Lopez, uh, Chichinado, Raonic, Shardy, Kakushkin, Diminauer, Bedene. And then we've got some heavy hitters. Obviously, Nick Kyrgios versus last week's winner, Adrian Manorino. The way Kyrgios went out, what was it, 0-1 or whatever in like 45 minutes last week. Obviously, he's got a ton. I mean, we would love to see a bounce back here. Uh, And now comes the real juicy stuff on center court. Juan Martín Del Potro versus Shapovalov. Mm. Grigor Dimitrov versus FAA Mm. hmm ct pos edmund i mean yes i I, i'm envious of jamie and matt because it's gonna be a fun mini break tomorrow assuming it doesn't rain
1: oh absolutely and there i gotta bring up the lines because there are some interesting lines here take a guess please what you think the the dan evans of ringa line is
0: well, Evans has won back-to-back challengers on the grass, and Stan Wawrinka traditionally not good on grass. I'm going to say at best, Wawrinka's minus 125.
1: So they've got Wawrinka. It's a, you're starting to learn your lines. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Wawrinka's <laughs> minus 130. To Dan oh. Evans plus 105. Yeah, they, that
0: to be honest, that may, that's Vegas trying to steal money from people who are like, oh, I can get Stan Walrinka. My, like, of course, I'm going to do this and whatever. Or you throw Walrinka in a bunch of parlays because with those odds, you can get better odds. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's a dangerous match for Stan given that Dan Evans has had as good of a grass season as he's had thus far. Yeah. I would say, again, those odds are spot on. Well done, Vegas. I mean, mm-hmm. it agreed with me, so well done, me. But well done, Vegas as well. Definitely, and just wait. Can we uh, keep doing this? I'm really enjoying this. I'm up now. It's one a.m. <laughs> Eastern time, but I'm wide
1: awake. <laughs> uh, it's funny that I got you. All right, give me, give me your thoughts on Curious Manorino
0: line. Wow. First of all, I'm very glad that's the one you asked. I did not expect that. Well, Kyrios was horrible last week. Manerino was great. But there is that tired factor plus the fact that Nick Kyrgios, you know, one match to the next. There's no correlation. I'm going to say Kyrgios because it's dangerous minus
1: 135. They uh, Other I've way? Learnt, no, no. He's he's the favorite. But what I've learned about Kyrios and Bovada and just in the lines in general. Because they, Cause they always, love him. They love him. They make him a, yeah, a way him. bigger favorite, and I bet a lot of people bet on him, which I think is just f- stupid. He he th- tanks so many matches as it is. Curios is minus 225. Manorino, plus
0: 180. Dude, I'd probably take Manorino. Dude, an like, Evans-Manorino parlay. Look up the odds on that. Oh if you're God. feeling if you're feeling greasy tomorrow, that's the one to slide into because that—you could talk me into that. I'm— um, uh, yes uh, you know right. my post pod uh, proclivities you could talk me into it after that all right
1: will we'll we'll go through the the possibilities afterwards just one other one before we get into our twitter tuesday dimitrov faa all
0: right i'm gonna ask you for one more after that but faa making the final dimitrov i mean faa is definitely the favorite i'm gonna say faa minus 235 wow you're so wrong no dimitrov's the favorite Minus one fifty five, Dimitrov plus one fifteen. Dude, so I get that he's coming off of a final, but what Vegas isn't factoring in is that he got a walkover from Rayonich in the semifinals. He didn't play the French Open. This is a guy who should be physically fit. Look this up, please, right now, and I will wait for you to do it. Evan Shapoval- uh, Evans Manarino uh, Evans, sorry, Evans FAA parlay. I feel oh, like God. that that is slippery.
1: Okay, Mm-mm. FAA, Mm-mm. Mandarino, Italy. I mean, Evans. it's, a, yeah,
0: the the three underdog parlay. That's got to be, what, like 15 to one? Uh, Give me a sec, give me a sec. West off, give me a clock sound effect. Give me that doo-doo-doo-doo. Do-do-do-do. <laughs>
1: 10 bucks to win
0: 113 (laughs) so yeah it's it's like 10 to 1 Uh, yeah like 11 to 1 dude the thing is, it could go totally wrong, right? Because like, Kyrgios is awake tomorrow, and like, it's ruined. Stan Wawrinka, you know, Dan Evans, if he's tired after two weeks of challenger play, that's another thing to factor in. It's ruined. And like, dude, this is Dan Evans this has exactly. to beat Wawrinka. It's not like Wawrinka is some I know this s- is, scrub over here. This is exactly why I don't bet on tennis because like the the you idea of over the, over the ridiculous, underdog. Ridiculous, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like because the that I think. I think eleven to one is about appropriate. There's about an eleven to one chance that all three of those guys win, and to me, that's interesting. Like I'm very interested by that. But all right, the last one I want to uh, ask you about, Delpo Shapovalov. I imagine Delpo is a favorite. He's probably what like minus three fifty. Uh, close. Minus four hundred. No, sorry,
1: he, it wasn't that close. He's minus two thirty five. See. Mm, a four right. under
0: wait a four underdog
1: parley just All throw right, it in. Me to does sh- that get a tip 15 to one shapo's plus 175 so oh my god if you do shapo in that too it's uh 10 to win 330
0: <laughs> <laughs> here's what i'll say what if we do 10 on that and then we do 10 on a four favorites part-life because that's probably still like two to one. So it's like, well, well, I mean, one underdog wins and it's a terrible, Again, this is why we don't gamble. Um, but I'm intrigued. Both ways, I like you could talk me into both scenarios. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw 10 on that because if that happens, I mean. If that happens, God. we deserve a sponsorship, please. Like one of these books, just call. Like, I got ideas. I could yeah, throw I'm, some odds your way.
1: I'm doing the, the four favorites Favorite parlay. Just,
0: just to see. It's not Dude, I great. blame you and Kale. We should ten, not be— 10 to win 50. So uh, to, to 5 to 1? Call West off. That's all I have to say. That's um, a nice hedge. Yeah, just—will you throw that in the Slack or maybe the group chat? Because I don't want to feel crazy. But throw it both ways, right? Which is a better gamble, and should we do both? Uh, but I ca- all right. I kinda like the hedge. It's it's a I mean dude All I'm saying we'll call West Off after. We'll handle this all after. Alright, right. Right. we, good. we Let's gotta move on, on to Twitter on. Tuesday. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> move on because <laughs> of course this is this is why we have to do pods more often. This is now why we have a mini break because we have so many exciting things to talk about in the tennis world. One of the most exciting parts, something we always talk about on a Tuesday. Tennis Twitter Tuesday, West Off, you know what to do. Give me that tennis Twitter Tuesday sound effect, please. <laughs> Rothman, you always serve first, so I'm going to let you serve first again. Your tennis Twitter highlights of the week. All right. I think I'm
1: just – I want to start with the first one that I saw. This is from Simon Briggs. uh, Tweeted that the U.S. Open is to use coaching from stands in the main draw matches this year.
0: So No, No, they're not going to use it. Is the pause? They came out and said, "Never mind, we're not doing it in the main draw singles." That was the story today. That's actually one of mine as well.
1: Right. So, so my, my point is, Andy Roddick followed up, saying, "Agreeing with your points from that perspective." However, it'd be amazing, it will be amazing TV to hear the coaches yell publicly about opponents' perceived weaknesses, pain points, etc. I don't know that I'd vote for it, but I really want to watch it. Obviously, as you're about to mention, they're you know going back on it, but. The reason I brought it up was it obviously put that image of my in my head of coaches literally yelling
0: on court Dude, like we're all in. I like, the, <laughs> I didn't mean to speak for we, but like right, I'm all in on that.
1: Yeah, no, totally. How how yeah. f- hilarious would it be if if you heard any of the coaches being like his backhand sucks right now. Hit <laughs> it to the backhand. Like that would be the best thing ever.
0: Well, it's just like I guess I mean Obviously, there are problems. What is coaching? What isn't? What's over the line? What's not? Obviously, they would do it more structured. You know, in between sets, the guy comes out. And hopefully, we as fans would get the opportunity to be mic'd up. And, oh, the counterpoint, I don't know why I go into the voice, because there's a lot of credible voices saying, one, the players don't want this. Two, tennis has always been an individual sport, being able to, you know, climb both the physical and mental challenges that is being out there by yourself in Grand Slams three out of five set matches. So I get all of that. But, yeah, f*** it. The entertainment value. Like, put me in the box. I want to hear what – like, what do you tell Roger Federer if he's struggling? What is Ivan Lubitsch going to go out there and be like, Raj, 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 like, to be – or what if it's just – you know, Raj, fashion choice today. You really wanted to go with the UPS Uniqlo suit? Like, that was the best choice? You're like, you're winning in straight sets and that's how you choose to win? Or, like, you go out like – Rafa, like you're a- filled out those capris a little better three years ago. Like, what are you keeping him sarcastic? It's like I'm in yes, on all of it. I-,
1: I think that's the only thing you do with those guys is you just have to roast them. That's so what that I'm they- saying.
0: Like, I'm in on. <laughs> I'm in on all of it because that's what I want to hear.
1: Yeah, I- I'm with you. We we've been fans of loud loud crowds and coaching for you know as long as we've been on this podcast. So, like you said, we- we're both in. One other tweet um, before I I let you bring out yours. Uh, Ben Rothenberg tweeted, you know, report that Mark and Feliciano Lopez are implicated in match-fixing investigation. And I I see you putting your hand in your head because you hate that I'm bringing this up. Uh, This is regarding their 2017 Wimbledon loss. And he goes, good thing at least one of them won't be in the most watched match this week. I partially brought this up because your favorite player is playing with Feliciano Lopez coming up are you excited or are you not you're not excited to see him in
0: doubles i mean of course i'm excited one of my stories there's a video of andy murray back on court that's the number one tennis twitter storyline for yeah, me obviously there's, there's a great um, video yeah and you talk about the rothenberg thing i made a note of it it's tough because there's no official investigation yet this is a, a journal obviously and you're not going to run that story unless you have the sources down but it, it's Obviously, fascinating given the role both Feliciano and Mark Lopez have played over, you know, in ATP doubles over the last 10 years. Um, so it's something to monitor for sure. But yeah, I'm excited. Like, let's go. The only thing, I mean, the only thing probably better than the fact that it's Andy Murray is that Andy Murray's going to be playing with someone handsome. Like, it's like you don't have to worry about that part. If that's what you're there to watch the tennis for, look at Feliciano. And so, what? yeah, I'm all about it. What, what
1: is it that we said at Nationals? You know, come come for the tennis, stay for the stay face. Stay for the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You're definitely, you're definitely staying for the face on that match. Mm. But I, I still – the other thing I was going to say that you just made me think about it. I wonder how much money Bovada is bringing in for people betting on Murray. Because they have him at plus 1,600, which is the same as chillich It's the like,
0: dumbest thing. You want to go burn money? Go make that bet. Like, I, think I I mean, some people may listen. Be like, says the guy who wanted to bet thirty three to one on the ten on the four underdogs. But like, you know what I'm not going to do is bet on Andy Murray to come back with a new hip and win Wimbledon. Like, that's just there's less than a sixteen one. If you gave me a hundred thousand to one odds, then maybe. I mean, then of course I'll do it because like a hundred thousand yeah. to one, duh. <laughs> come on. But yeah, but no, that's it. But any other tweets? No, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Oh, I love it. So I mentioned the Murray, uh, another fun thing, Ty Kwiatkowski making the semifinal. He's up to a career high, I think like 206, 207. His former teammate, Ashwin Lison, had a funny photo of him knocking on a door, and on it it says the top 200, and it's funny because obviously he is knocking on the door of the top 200. So, you know, different podcasts, but hey, great shot to them. That was a funny conversation. Uh, Another thing I've really uh, seen pick up at this more serious topic, but... Just serious topics in general, pay equity on the tours, uh, things of that nature. You see it more and more in tennis Twitter and you know, Jonathan Kelly and I kind of talked about that topic for like 20 of our two and a half hour podcast last night in social media activism, seeing it from players and, you know, whether you like their opinions or not, you can't deny that with Twitter being at the stage it's at, we get to see and hear from these players a lot more often than we used to. And it brings conversations into the uh, public sphere that perhaps before, you know, some people talked about the Crazy tennis fanatics would chat about when they talked amongst one another, but now they're becoming mo- much more public conversations because we see these players uh, doing all that they do. But with that being said, I got to give you some tennis Twitter stats, as always. I mentioned can I, the. Uh, can I just say that
1: I thought you were going to bring up Cations, uh tweet about his interview with ruben about mental
0: absolutely health. absolutely not i'm inc- way too salty that we didn't get an invite as like a co-host or like a guest spot or just Me too. Some- yeah like Ugh. i'm not opening this pandora's box that would be an off-color rant do we violin out no i'm not violenting out nah, it's no it's not it's 1 a.m but i have many thoughts on the topic needless to say platform envy for me at the max i get why all these people harass ben rothenberg because they're obviously all jealous and i've never been more jealous of Cation, and i've been jealous of Cation for a long time as you know max rothman but yeah awesome podcast series definitely go give that a listen if you haven't already but all right some fun stats for you rothman and then we can wrap this up uh from this past weekend roger federer now from our guy luca beck this is the 1000th cons- or 1000th week for him in the ATP top 50, 993 of which are consecutive. What do you say to that? Uh, no, you know you know what you say I mean, to that? Come on, not too bad. Not too bad. Novak Djokovic, please west off. Not too bad. Yeah, I mean 1000 weeks. How how many weeks how many years is that? Is that 52, 52 four- weeks, so it's a lot. A lot of weeks, like, or like, 16 years or something crazy like that.
1: Yeah, I was, I was about to say, like, it's, like, most of my life. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I, seriously, no, but, like, you're you're joking, but, like, you, when did you, you, unless you started watching tennis at the age of five, which I love you, but I don't think you were, and like, unless I started watching at the age of six, which I did sporadically, but not nearly at the level I reached when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12. Like, all you've seen is Roger Federer. That's all people our age have seen. If you were born in the 90s and are a tennis fan, it's synonymous with being a fan of Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, yada, 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 yada. So, yeah, just a crazy stat for there. Another guy we've been so familiar with, Richard Gasquet, out of the top 50 for the first time in 474 weeks. The last ranking without Gasquet in the top 50 was May 17th, 2010. I mean, that's... What were you doing in two thousand ten, Max on May seventeenth. That's right around your birthday. Well,
1: I'm a March baby, but uh yeah, not 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 too far. Um 2010?
0: I mean, I don't know, I was, I think that was my specific freshman season. No, that must have been my freshman year of high school. Yeah, it was my freshman year of high school. No, Spring of grade. my freshman year. Oh my god, I was still fat. <laughs> That was the last time Richard Gasquet was outside of the top 50. There's some perspective for you. Man. Yeah, I it's mean,
1: we, there's, so, there's some of those low-key guys who just, we don't recognize how long they've Richard
0: been. Richard Gasquet, ugh. We're, we can't do this. We're 58 minutes in. but He is low-key now. Don't even give me that. No, now he might be. But you would put him in a tier, if you're judging the 2005 to 2020 range, he's probably tier three, right? Tier three or four. If the top guys, you know, the big four, they're tier one. Tier two, the Ferrer's, the Bergich's. The Delpos and Stans are probably at the top end of that. You could argue Murray's at the top end of that. I obviously wouldn't, but we'll do that a different time. What are time. the Tier 3? Um, <laughs> and then Tier 3s are those guys who had their appearances in the top 10, but were top 15, 20 staples. They won a bunch of 250, 500. You know, they competed in second weeks of majors. I would say the Gasques, the... God, who who's a good example of some Jill Simon, I mean, these are all Frenchmen, but uh, not the. Uh, I mean, not Verdasco. Maybe even Verdasco. Verdasco, yeah, yeah, just Yeah, th- just those sorts of players who are just so Fair consistently enough. in the top twenty. I mean, restart Gasquet, uh, certainly uh, one of the most talented, uh, one of the most beautiful one-handed backhands ever.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I- I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I- I'd put him there.
0: All right, and then one more stat for you, Mikhail Torpgaard. Listen to his results every pro tournament he's played in Columbus. He won the 2016 Challenger there. Lost first round 2017. Made the quarterfinals of the Future, but 2018 made the semifinal. 2019 runner-up and winner there. Also in Cleveland, he made the finals. More proof if you're a Buckeye, you dominate the state of Ohio. I mean, he's got the fans.
1: That's for sure. So uh, he's got a, he's got a win for the for the squad.
0: Absolutely. Well, then my final tweet for you in a little 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 trivia contest, get you to name some names. There are 18, and this is from Oleg S at Anna K underscore forever. She tweeted out the ATP 2019 $1 million club, uh, which are the players who at this point of the year have made over a million dollars in prize money. I'm not going to.
1: Hmm, how many you are there? Try
0: and, yeah. Take a shot. How many did I tell you? No. First of all, guess. How many at this point of the season are there? six <laughs> a little higher a little or a lot you laughed, not like so. a lot but uh, enough higher 10 a, f- a little more damn 13 a little more that's a lot higher i would have would have guessed more just what 16 yeah, like okay. 18 and that's you wanna try? And, you want to take a crack at the names oh, some God. of them are easy that's why i think you can do it i mean federer Jokovich nadal so Nadal number one six point two, Djokovic number two five point nine. Yeah, I just totally forget
1: num- like some of these. Even the five hundreds, like if you win one, like you're that's like a six hundred thousand okay, dollars. So tell
0: me then, then tell me if you, given what you know about the season, does this player belong around here? Nadal one six point two. Yeah, Djokovic five point nine. Yes, Dominic. Yeah, you're silent, sorry. So yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Number three oh, team. Dominic team, 4 million. Yeah. Yeah. He deserves crazy. to be num- around number three. Federer, number four, 3.8. What about Stefanos? Number five, good guess, 2.8. Yeah. I'd say he deserves it. Number six, given that he won a Masters, it makes sense. Fabio Fognini, 1.8. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Number seven, Nishi who I believe's made two major quarterfinals, one point five. Number eight, Alex Virev at one point four. Number nine, Daniil Medvedev, one point three six. That makes Tell sense. Tell me FAA is in there. Number ten, Monfils, one point three. Makes sense. No FAA. Oh, no I would have FAA. thought with some of his titles he might have. I know. I you know what? I can't believe it either. I, I, that's actually very surprising. Uh, Monfils at ten makes sense. Stan at eleven, a little shocking. RBA given the start he had to the year oh. at twelve. Yeah, I just that, that I just is, looked up. I just looked
1: up Fa's uh, year to date 904.
0: Yeah, see, just missed. Funny. He'll get there shortly. Um, <laughs> Kachnov 13, because he does well at majors. Schwartzman 14. Isner made a Miami final. He's at 15. Mm. Here's a guy who's raked it at the 250 level. Deuce on the Deuce. Oh, 1 point, oh deuce yeah, 1.03. On. 1. 1. Chorich, number 17. Luca Pui with his semifinal at the Australian Open, number 18. And with that, Rothman, I mean, that, that's all I got from today's Twitter Tuesday. You got any final thoughts before we wrap this up?
1: Look, there's been complaint... Uh, I saw a tweet... Uh, I wish I hadn't deleted it from my phone. There was a tweet last week that broke down the major sports and the prize money that gets distributed to the players uh, and talked about the NBA and... It's from it the payers its,
0: and players account.
1: Right. So it's something like 50% and then, you know, it breaks it down and it gets all the way down to tennis and tennis is somewhere in, like, the single-digit percents. Um, I mean, it's, it's tough to see that and then hear how that there's 18 players who have made over a million dollars with only half the season done so um not that it's tough to hear that it's just it's crazy to hear that that that's the case that that's only you know a single digit percent of the amount of money that could be going to the players well it's
0: just like what if uh yeah you know we don't have to open this pandora's box i agree <laughs> i just thought it was a fun uh fun little statistic to put out very cool there, but With that being said, if you like that, you want to hear more about the goings-on at this point in the tennis world, check out our website, crackrackets.com. On the podcast note, going to do a little shameless plugging here. Recorded a wonderful two and a half hour State of the Union of American Tennis podcast with Jonathan Kelly, part one of which already released on our Great Shot Podcast feed. If you enjoy that sort of content, please like, rate, subscribe, review that podcast, the Correct Interviews podcast, What the Deuce, as well as this one. We really do appreciate any feedback you guys can give us, so please keep us in the loop. Leave a little comment. Obviously, if you do leave a comment, leave your Twitter handle in the. comments we will uh still on our ongoing free gear giveaway there have been uh people have left reviews already who have gotten gear so if you want to put yourself in position to get some of that uh please do that as a you know if you're bored at work like i am you love this twitter tuesday you're like oh i want to be a part of it one of the twitter tennis twitter accounts you got to follow cracked rackets do it there instagram twitter facebook and and, as always, a shout-out to our super producers, Max Flegner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do as well. I gave them an hour-long mini-break today, yesterday, two and a half hours. So, you know, despite it not even being Grand Slam time, I like to keep them, uh, you know, flexible and still at work. So, happy to see that. The, the bavada odds of Westhoff texting me, like, ugh, an hour really are a solid minus 1,000. <laughs> Maybe even <laughs> higher. Yeah, but with that, Max Rothman, any final thoughts?
1: No, glad to be back back here with you. We're going to be doing some more pods moving forward as I'm, I'm back here in, in the swing of things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, then, with that being said, for my incredible doubles partner, partner, and crime, and co-host, Maxwell LaBauer-Rothman, for our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maxie, what do we tell everyone? That's a break and we will see you all throughout the week thanks everyone